Hi, and welcome to Yokine Baptist Church. This is a sermon recording taken from one of our regular church services. You can find out more about us as well as more recordings like this one on our website, yokinebaptist.church, or by connecting with us on Facebook. Thanks for joining us today. We really hope you're encouraged by this message and that it draws you closer to God. You can tell it's Christmas, can't you? Because all of the Halloween decorations have been packed away. All the Christmas decorations are out. You, um, you go, we swelter in 40 degree heat and shop in our shorts and thongs while the speakers are playing songs about snow and sleigh bells. So you definitely know it's Christmas. All of those cheesy sort of Christmas um, shows start playing on TV, don't you? You know, and they all end up telling you about the true meaning of Christmas or the true meaning of love or something like that. But as you do get towards Christmas, you start to kind of think about certain things in your life, like maybe changing the pace and pattern of your life. Unfortunately, sometimes Christmas is the opposite. You know, when, when Moses said, oh, you're looking forward to Christmas and you're kind of thinking, oh, no, I've got to buy presents, I've got to buy extra food, I've got to do all this. <laughs> but you want to change the pace of your life a bit sometimes. Yeah, we, at Christmas, we like to think of spending time with our family and friends. Uh, maybe we change our diets, not for the better, as we eat, you know, gingerbread and mangoes and things like that. But hopefully, above all at Christmas, you'll be wanting to feel closer to God. And maybe it's just part of the human condition, uh, you know, that as the seasons change, that it's not just amongst us as Christians, uh, but amongst everybody, that people have this longing within for hope and warmth and security. And so Christmas gives us a great opportunity to draw people to the one true source of hope and warmth and security. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to look piece by piece at this gift that God brought to earth when he delivered his son from the womb of a woman born in Bethlehem. And these events reveal to us who God wants to be in our lives. Now imagine if we all truly believed that God wanted to be in our lives. Imagine if we could get our family and friends to believe that, how it would transform them. So we're going to look at these four descriptions over the next four weeks. So I want to start by talking about giving, because you, when you think of Christmas, one of the words, if I was playing Family Feud, think of a word, Christmas, and you go, gifts, and it'd be up the top of the lift. And I enjoy giving gifts, I love it. Um, I love the joy that people display when they receive it. And I'll often, you know, I often go through to the shops and I like going through um, Audi. I, I usually try and take a, take a stroll on Wednesdays and Saturdays when their special buyers come out and see if there's anything there, not necessarily just for that I might like, but if I think, oh, that would be good for so-and-so. And I put that aside as a Christmas present. But I'm a bit impatient, you know, and what I ha it's really hard for me to put a gift aside and then wait to give it to them because I want to give it to them straight away. I'm very impatient like that. Um, and I, I did really well because Margaret's birthday was last week and I picked up some gifts and I kind of got a few different gifts in a, 
in, in a package and I got them piece by piece over a couple of months and I kept them hidden in a cupboard for a couple of months. And I thought, oh, I was really proud of myself that I managed to hold off until her birthday to give it to her because usually I, I struggled to do that. But, you know, it was always great, you know, Christmas morning, you know what it's like when you've got little kids and, you know, the prezzies are all around the tree and, the, and, the, and you can't wait for the kids to get up in the morning and start opening them and getting all excited. You know, I think our Heavenly Father gets excited too and he loves to give gifts to his children. He planned to give us an amazing, awesome gift in the person of Jesus. And he didn't just sort of wait till, you know, a week before Jesus was born or, you know, maybe a year before Jesus was born to tell people what was happening. He was so excited. He told us 700 years before Jesus was born that he was coming and what he would be like. And so 700 years before Jesus was born, he chose the prophet Isaiah and he said, I want you to write down what I want to tell my people. This is going to be a wonderful gift I have planned for you. My son is going to be a wonderful counsellor, a mighty God, an everlasting father and a prince of peace. You don't even need to unwrap the gift. He's told us what it's going to be. And so God's people at the time of Isaiah really needed this comfort. They needed to understand that God had a plan for them. They needed courage and hope during some very dark years. And so God began announcing this news of his son 700 years before he came. And so when Jesus began his earthly ministry, he quoted this very passage of Isaiah. So we read that Jesus went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali by way of the sea, beyond the Jordan in Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of darkness, in the shadow of death, a light has dawned. So long before Jesus, God began to prepare his people. He prepared them for this wonderful, wonderful gift. He told them what it was going to be like. And so the people were waiting with anticipation. And then 700 years later, Jesus appears and he reads that passage and he concludes by saying, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today is the day you get to open this present. It's here. So let's have a look at this wonderful counsellor. So you might think of something different when, I hear, when you hear the word counsellor than I think what God intends here. Um, you might think, let's say I, uh, I get you in my office and, you know, we have a couch there and I say, look, just recline back on the couch. Tell me about your relationship with your mother. You know, tell me all about your inner feelings. And we might think, oh, that's what a, a counsellor's like. But that's not the kind of counsellor um, God's talking about. Uh, maybe this video will give you a hint um, of the kind of counsellor that we're not talking about. So there you go. That's what people think of when they think counsellor. But, you know, I think God had something different in mind when he talked about counsellors. 
You see, in the Old Testament, the word counsel means to give advice or to try and direct someone into the right course of action. A counsellor is not a therapist, but a strategist. So they gave people advice, like, like a king. The king would have a council. You know, we see we talk about people in the city of Stirling. We have a council, and they are counsellors. They guide and direct us. Um, today's equivalent to the king's counsellor might be our defence minister, or in the US it might be the um, national security advisor, something like that. Uh, you might have political counsellors to help you to run an election campaign, or you might have a business counsellor to help you set up your business. Uh, in my life, I've had some good counsellors. You know, people that guided and directed me. You know, like old um, Clem, before he passed away, when I was a teenager and I was going through baptism, uh, he would come and sit with me every week and we'd go through the scripture and, and, we'd, and, uh, and he'd give me some guidance and direction for my life. I've got college lecturers who advice I still handle. You know, but none of us, none of us has all the answers. None of us is the repository of all knowledge. Or as Tony Abbott once said, the suppository of all knowledge. Um, but <laughs> I don't know what he meant. He meant none of us has all the answers. And so there are going to be times when we have to seek the counsel of other people. And hopefully there are going to be times when people will come to us for counsel. The other place a person could be a counsellor in the Old Testament was that the king himself could be the counsellor to his people. So Micah said, uh, for instance, Why do you cry aloud? Have you no king? Has your counsellor perished? So the king himself could be a counsellor. And the greatest counsellor of all in the Old Testament was Solomon, who was the wise counsellor for his people. Now, of course, a counsellor can be good and bad. Uh, in 2003, George Bush's counsellors told him that Iraq had weapons of mass destruction and it led him into a 10-year wasted war. In Lord of the Rings, King Theoden had Wormtongue who basically counselled and eventually he became this weak, useless king. In the 1980s, Miami Vice advised me that I'd look good in white pants and a pink shirt and a mullet, a permed mullet at that. You should see some of the photos. My kids are horrified. So you've got to be careful where you get your advice from. You need good advice. And if you're going to get advice from a good counsellor, doesn't it make sense that you'd want to get it from the best that instead of just going to a good counsellor, you would go to a wonderful counsellor. You know, Isaiah tells us that Jesus will be unlike all other earthly counsellors. In the, in the Hebrew, it actually says he will be a wonder of a counsellor. It's, it's an awesome expression, isn't it? He will be a wonder of a counsellor. You know, even my doctor that I go to sometimes has to go to the internet and look for things. Have you ever been to the doctor's surgery where he sits down and he goes, oh, just a second, and he goes to WebMD and kind of looks up a medication and think, wow, even my doctor needs to go to Dr. Google sometimes. But Jesus was different. John tells us that Jesus knew all people. He didn't need any testimony about mankind for he knew what was in each person. 
In Colossians, Paul writes that in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He is able to advise his people thoroughly because he's qualified in ways that no other human counsellor is. And Christ's position as our wonderful counsellor means we can always trust him. Always. In Proverbs we read, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. So I'd like to just turn briefly uh, to the book of Luke um, in chapter 8. There is a section here where we see this wonderful counsellor at work and we see Jesus dispense great counsel to people uh, in one circumstance after another. So the first one comes when Jesus restored a man's life after he'd been tormented for many years by demons. And so after Jesus has healed this guy, he's back in his right mind, he's starting to realise what's happened to him, he turns to Jesus and it says he begged to go with Jesus. Here's a guy whose whole life has been turned around. He's grateful to Jesus. He wants to soak up all that he can from Jesus. And he says, please let me go with you. I'll do anything. I'll carry your bags. I'll do whatever. I just want to be around you. And In other circumstances, another teacher might say, that's great, I would love to have this guy with me. Everywhere I go, he's going to be a testimony of what I've performed, this miracle. But Jesus knew into the heart of this man. You see, he knew that this man had been separated from his family for years. And he knew that this guy would be a wonderful testimony to his family. He also knew that this guy would be a wonderful testimony to the whole village that he lived in. And so Jesus Jesus knew that there was something better for this man to do than follow Jesus around. And so we read then that the man went away and told all over the town how much Jesus had done for him. Other people might have given different counsel. And it might have been good counsel too. But Jesus' counsel is wonderful. It was just what the man needed. It was just what his family needed. It was what his town needed. And it was what the gospel needed. The next incident we read of from Jesus, am I in the right passage there? Yep. Is, um, okay, 41, there. Is a man named Jairus. Uh, Jairus is a a leader in his synagogue. He was a a well-thought-of man and he came and begged Jesus to heal his daughter. So we read that Jairus, a synagogue leader, fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. He was a man of wisdom, a man of authority, a leader in his community, probably a man who people went to for counsel. Yet he was powerless to help his daughter. And so he calls on the wonderful counsellor. And Jesus said, absolutely, I'm on my way. But things don't go according to plan. You see, on the way there, the crowd was so thick. There were people everywhere. They were pressing in and it slowed them down. It was hard for them to get anywhere. And there was a woman in that crowd who knew 
that Jesus could heal her. Her faith was so strong that she knew, if only I could reach out and touch his cloak, I'll be healed. And that's exactly what happened. But Jesus, instead of the urgent need, in spite of that, he kept going. He didn't want to keep going. He stopped and he spoke to this woman. Now, imagine if you were Jairus at this point. You would be desperate. I mean, the crowd has already slowed you down. And now Jesus is stopping for a chat? This is ridiculous. What's wrong with the guy? Doesn't he know that his daughter's time is running out? But in his wisdom, Jesus knew that he had to do more than heal this woman. And so he spoke with her and he talked with her and he told her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. You know, logic suggests that he shouldn't have done that. You know, he should have just kept going because, you know, obviously the urgent need was there. Surely he could go back and heal her later. You know, why stop for random people when a girl's life is at stake? But Jesus wasn't content with just healing her body. He was interested in her heart. And so the wonderful counsellor did something more, something that maybe you and I wouldn't have done. But unfortunately, the little girl died. And at this stage, a normal counsellor would go, I'm really sorry, I wish there was something more I could do. But not Jesus. He said to Jairus, do not be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. And so Jesus arrives and with just a few words, he raises the girl back to life. Now at this point, you'd think Jesus would go, that's great, I've done it. I can... Now pack up, say, there you go, I'm on my way. But Jesus had another bit of good advice for these people. So he knew that this girl had been ill and weak and, and just struggling. He probably hadn't been able to eat for days. And so he turns around and he says to them, um, give her something to eat. It's just a small thing, but it's a needed thing. And maybe it's something that you and I might have not thought of, but he did because he knows into the hearts of all people. Jesus, the wonderful counsellor, gets it right again and again and again. At every step, he doesn't do what's expected. He doesn't necessarily do what you and I think we might have done in that circumstance, but he does the best thing possible. And that's all just in one day. That's just one day in the life of Jesus. One day in the life of the world's most wonderful counsellor. And the Gospels are just full of such accounts. In fact, you get to the, uh, the end of John's Gospel and he actually says, you know, if I was to try and write down everything Jesus did, there probably wouldn't be enough books in the world to fill it. Our wonderful counsellor. So 700 years before Jesus was born, God peered forward into history and he said, my son is going to be a counsellor like no one has ever seen before. He is going to do things that are unexpected, but he's going to do just what's right. And God was so excited that he had to tell people about it 700 years in advance so they can anticipate it, they can watch for it, and they can celebrate it when it happens. And we're getting ready to celebrate that same event. 
And I hope that every time you, you see a manger or a, you know, a picture like that at Christmas time, that you won't just think about a baby, but you'll think about a king who is a counsellor to his people. And his counsel is found wherever we find the word of God. The Old Testament is his story. The New Testament Gospels are his proof. And the New Testament letters give us the practical application of this counsel. His counsel can also be found in the lives of godly men and women around us. People who walk according to that word. People who, like Paul, can say, follow me as I follow Christ. You know, I don't always get why God does what he does. I don't always understand why things happen in this world the way they happen. But that's why I'm a decent counsellor and he's a wonderful counsellor. And so I encourage you from now until Christmas to seek out the counsel of Jesus. Maybe read afresh the Gospels and look at his counsel in action. Seek his counsel every day, every morning when you get up, every time you face a tough decision, seek the counsel of the Lord. But also I encourage you to be a counsellor to others. Now, maybe you can't be the wonderful counsellor because none of us can. But you can be a good counsellor. Or maybe you can even be just an okay counsellor. And that's all right too. Maybe your counsel can be the Christmas gift that someone else desperately needs. And what greater counsel can you give them than to point them to our Prince of Peace? Let's pray. Father, as we approach this Christmas season, we need your words of hope. Lord, is our prayer that one day the work that you began in Bethlehem will take root all over the world and all nations will worship the Prince of Peace. As we wait for your return in glory, Lord, we ask that you will fill us with these hope, this hope. Because just as you promised 700 years before that your Messiah would come, you have promised us that you will return. And we look forward with anticipation. Fill us with hope in anticipation of what you're coming. And fill us with the reality of your son's wonderful counsel. Lord, we ask that we will know his counsel in our lives every day and that we will know his peace that passes all understanding. Help us, Lord, to be counsellors to others who desperately need your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today, and extra thanks to those that have donated to us online. It's your generosity that enables us to continue our ministry to the local community and beyond. It's because of you that our ministry is possible. If you would also like to support us, visit ybc.church give. You can also access our website to find out more about our community by visiting yokinebaptist.church or by connecting with us on Facebook. If you've enjoyed listening to this message, be sure to subscribe and share it with your friends. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for listening and God bless.